What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Right, right and wrong. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Corn Pop was a bad dude. Whoa. Come on, man. What are we talking about? Welcome to Right and Wrong. This is a show where we try to wake up the woke by talking common sense about the issues of the day. Isn't that right, my friend Juice? Yes! I am your host, Brian Ruka, and with me, as always over there, is producer Juice. He's the truth box, just truthing it along all day, every day. (laughs) What do you get to say to the people today, my man? There is nothing these people hate more than the truth. Nothing that scares them more than the truth. They have no recourse in the face of the truth. They have no defense against it. They have no argument. They have no rebuttal. They can do nothing when confronted with the truth, except try to silence it. (laughs) Amen to that. Well, today we got a jam-packed show for you, just like we do every week. And we will be talking about the much-talked-about, much-debated, much-groaned-over student loan forgiveness that President Biden just announced the other day. We're also going to get into how old people... Uh, refuse to just go away, the ones that are in power, you know? (coughs) Fauci, (coughs) Biden, (coughs) Pelosi, (coughs) Tom Brady. You know, all these people just want to keep on keeping on, but will not get out of the way for the next generation to take over. (laughs) You know, we're going to bring you the rights and wrongs of the week. We got some great ones lined up for that. That's always a fun segment, fun, fun couple segments, I guess I will say. And uh, we're going to close out the show with our very popular, very fun, very in demand, come on, man, segment of the day. So stick around, stay tuned, and um, get ready to enjoy an awesome show. I got nothing else right now other than uh, welcoming in our friend Ric Flair to give us a little bit of showtime, baby. Woo! Showtime! Woo! Woo! So I want to start off and kind of talk about, uh, you know, people in my age group, Juice's age group, uh, but I use that term a little bit or, or that age range a little bit broad. So expand that out, you know, people into their 40s and then younger than us as well. I'm 37 and my man there has a year on me, but we're both born mid 80s. And what type of family dynamics did we grow up in? What did our, what did our parents talk about when we were younger? What situations did our parents come from? Uh, I could tell you, like, my dad is one of eight. My mom's one of six. And they talk about living, you know, modest, poor lifestyles, basically. I have another, we, we have another friend that his dad often often talks about living off of mayo sandwiches. Uh, sorry, my, forgive that gag that I have there, but... That's just disgusting. Mayo's gross to begin with. Never mind mayo sandwiches. But he uh, makes the point that like his family was so poor that that's what he uh, had to eat. That's what he grew up on and stuff. And I say that because I think that's where you know people my age ish parents that we have came from lifestyles like that. They came from um, you know there was the technology wasn't what it is now. You know there was there wasn't the widespread birth control and. Um, 
abortion culture that developed over those years where people really started um i guess i guess you can call it planning their family structure as opposed to letting god plan that path for them um or or letting you know letting things happen as they happened i guess so i think the mindset um changed for the people that that raised my generation where it was, you know what, we're not going to have six, seven, eight, nine, ten babies in this family, ten kids, because, you know, we grew up like that and we didn't have much. We did, we wanted more. I want to give more to my kids. I want I want to have a more fulfilled life with my kids and, and give more, right? And that's a noble cause. It is. Like every every generation kind of has that has that mindset that I want my kids to be better off than I was, right? That's what you want to pass on. That's the legacy you want to hand down. But one of the flaws that came with that was they also spoiled us. Yes, some of it did have to do with the technology that was that was created and, and utilized by people my age and, and then younger. But some of it also came from the fact that instead of having eight kids to worry about, six kids to worry about, seven, you know, mouths to feed, now you only had two. You only had three. So you can afford to uh take them out to eat or you can afford to go on these vacations with them and and stuff like that and believe me i i appreciate the fact that i was able to go to disney world about six seven times before the age of 18 that's phenomenal but i also understand that the way i was raised the way i was brought up made me softer than the generation above me and i'm sure that happens to an extent to every generation like our country's great and as we continue to grow and develop like this each generation has less like to overcome maybe so the ability to have all this extra given to me and given to the families that were um others that grew up like me um to have that that more of a focus put on us by our parents also allowed us to become more spoiled like i already mentioned Instead of the parents having to worry about multiple kids, you know, a whole whole collection of kids that they're worried about, they can be laser focused on the one or two kids that they did have, almost uh, be a little overprotective or hover a little bit too much, um, be there to pick us up on every little scrape and fall, as opposed to like having to figure stuff out on your own a little bit more, kind of being expected to grow up quicker and faster. So... I think that I'm in that generation that, you know, our childhood got preserved so much, like it was overcompensated for the parents above us that had to grow up a lot quicker than we did. And instead, they allowed us to to be that generation that lived at home until we were 30 years old, <laughs> that became career students because we needed to find ourselves, um, just basically be able to develop a hell of a lot slower than they did. And it's not just the generation directly above me, like my parents and stuff and, and that whole collection of people. Think a little bit beyond that, too, and in, in the hippies and flower power people of the 60s. I think it really started then, that mindset of, you know, do whatever makes you happy or you do you, man, peace. Those attitudes were developed and no thought was given to the consequences that were going to come from that down the road. Like, you do you, man, is is all well and good until all of a sudden you do you turns into 
Now you have to call my son a her because that's what she now identifies as. I'm not on board with the you do you just stay away from me thing or like do whatever makes you feel good. Go tell those people living in Boston on Mass Ave. Go tell them to do what makes them feel good. See how well that's turned out for them. Those are the consequences that come from that stuff. And we're a society, we're a people, we're a country that's completely lost its discipline. And it's really hard to get that back. And it's it's hard to develop that later on in life too. And I can tell you I can tell you I'm a perfect example of it. And I'm not even close to being as disciplined as I would like to be. Uh I'm far from it. Um, but it's scary. And to think now you have a whole group of people that that kind of came from this now trying to raise the next generation and that generation like think think about think about these kids these college kids now the the I'm offended by everything group what's it going to be like when they start having kids it's just slowly going down this wrong track and like i said i i, I get it cuz it's it's hard i don't want to be tough on my kids i want to have fun with them i want to be the cool dad with them right but is that doing them good down the line? And then if I'm not the cool dad, if I am tough and disciplined on them, am I setting myself up to be hated 20 years down the line too? It's it's some stuff that messes with your mind and it's every parent I'm sure can relate to that. But we need to be able to find a happy medium uh, from the old, the old uh, hit your kid with the back of your belt, with, with your belt buckle and the... Uh, I'm going to let my kids do do whatever so they have a great childhood mindset, too. It's tough. But I know one thing is for sure. We can't continue to go the way we've been going. We need to start reining this in a little bit, and we need to reconsider the path that we're on. All right, let's bring things into the uh, rights of the week this week. We got five awesome things for you, and uh, let's get right to it, huh, Juice? What do you think? Now let's do this. All right, I, I can get down with that too, my man. <laughs> uh, all right, without further ado, the number five right of the week is going to go to this uh, old clip of Mr. Steve Jobs. It's been circling around the uh, World Wide Web out there, and uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. See what he had to say. Number five. What we need to do in education is go to the full voucher system. You know, if you ask who are the customers of education, ultimately I think the customers are the parents, not even the students, but the parents. The problem that we have in this country is that the customers went away. The customers stopped paying attention to their schools for the most part. What happened was is that mothers started working, and they didn't have time to spend at PTA meetings and watching their kids' school. Schools became much more institutionalized. Parents spent less and less and less time involved in their kids' education. What happens when a customer goes away and a monopoly gets control, which is what's happened in our country, is that the service level almost always goes down. I remember seeing a bumper sticker when the telephone company was all one, AT&T, the Bell system. I remember seeing a, a bumper sticker with the, the Bell logo on it and it said, we don't care. We don't have to. And that's what a monopoly is. That's what IBM was in their day. And that's certainly what the, the public school system is. They don't have to care. I believe very strongly that if the country 
gave each parent a voucher, a check, for $4,400 that they could only spend at any accredited school, several things would happen. Number one, schools would start marketing themselves like crazy to parents to get students. Secondly, I think you see a lot of new schools starting. I've suggested as an example, if you go to Stanford Business School, they have a public policy track. They could start a school administrator track. So you could get a bunch of people coming out of college tying up with somebody who just got out of business school, they could be starting their own schools. You could have 25-year-old kids out of college, very idealistic, full of energy. Instead of starting a Silicon Valley company, they'd start a school. And I believe they would do far better than many of our public school teachers do. The third thing you'd see is I believe that you would see the quality of schools, again, just like in a competitive market, start to rise. Some schools would go broke. A lot of the public schools would go broke. There's no question about it. It would be rather painful for the first several years. And, but I think far less painful than the kids going through the system as it is right now. And some people, the biggest complaint is, of course, that schools would pick off all the good kids and all the bad kids would be left to wallow together in either a, you know, a, a, a private school or the rem remnants of the public school. To me, that's like saying, well, all the car manufacturers are going to make BMWs and Mercedeses and nobody's going to make a $10,000 car. Well, I think the most hotly competitive market right now is the $10,000 car area. You've got... Yeah, I mean... He kind of nails it with that stuff. It uh, it speaks to the whole school choice discussion that goes on nowadays. Um, that that's a big hot button topic. And honestly, the only thing that's holding this stuff back uh, are the teachers' unions, the the all powerful public sector teacher unions that are negotiating against the people. They're not negotiating against the government because the government is us. We are we. The government represents us, the people. So these public sector unions and these these contracts that they're getting and that the work conditions that they're demanding, uh, just like the the teachers in Ohio that that went on strike day one of uh, of of school last week. Um, it's crazy that that we've allowed the system to get like this to get this powerful. But I think Jobs' idea there is um, is you know it's great. I I don't know if he would still hold those same thoughts. But I think the idea behind that, um, you know, makes a lot of sense. We are the customers, the parents, and the public school system has completely forgotten that. They've abandoned parents. They don't consider us to be the customer anymore. And that's a problem. And it is a snowball effect that leads all the way down to one of the other things we're going to talk about today with the student loan forgiveness nonsense. They're not marketing themselves to parents anymore. They want to create career students that are going to be indebted to them that are now going to go out and vote for the person who's going to wash away that loan that they had after they've been convinced their whole lives since they were children that they had to go to college to get this education, to get these, this job and this lifestyle that gets pitched to them. So it all starts at a very, very, very young age. And us parents, we get left with the burden of it in trying to figure out what other options do we have? You just feel like like we don't have any choices. And this idea by Steve Jobs would create a ton of choice. And that's a good thing. Next. All right. This one here, we're going to go up north to our neighbors in uh, Canada and hear from this man that is known as the Canadian Cowboy. He he uh, He's wearing a sweatshirt that says F, the whole word, not just the letter, Trudeau. And it's got maple leaves next to the F and next to the K. And there's two more banners like that hanging uh, on his fence in the background. And he's clearly on a ranch, got a cowboy hat on, uh, can barely see his eyes because it's down on on his head. 
and he's not very happy at the direction of his country. So let's hear what this guy had to say. Number four. Welcome to communist Canada. I just listened to David Lametti, the Attorney General of Canada, tell the camera that he felt the Canadian citizens didn't have the legal right to own private property. Well, this is where you get to listen to me tell David Lametti, you pencil-nosed little prick, the Attorney General of Canada, go f*** yourself, you f*** of a man. How f*** dare you tell the Canadian people something like that? The hard-working people of this country, busting their backs to own f*** all. And then we got to listen to your boss, Turd Boy, stand there and tell the f***ing world that the Canadian people don't have the f***ing legal right to defend ourselves with firearms. <laughs> oh, man, I forgot to warn you guys that uh, in, in the Canadian Cowboy that this is a family-friendly show here, the Right and Wrong uh, program. Juice, good job being uh, the trigger man there. But um, this guy is classic. I think he wants to give Turd Boy over there a 10-minute game misconduct. What we do have. We have the legal right to defend ourselves by way of equal force. That means you f***ing come at me with a pitchfork, you leave this f***ing world by way of pitchfork. You come at me with a bat, I f***ing quickly remove that bat from your grasp and shove it up your And that also means if you come at me with firearms, read between the f***ing lines. Now to my friends down south of the border. You do now have a communist country to the north of you, and that better worry the f*** out of you. Mark my words, at some point we're going to do our best to try to f***ing take our country back from these communist sons of bitches. We got no f***ing choice, and when we step up and try it, we're certainly going to need your help. I love each and every one of you, but there are no borders in this f***ing fight, people. This is f***ing good against evil. God bless each and every one of you. God bless Canada and the U.S. <laughs> that guy's insane, but he's awesome. Oh, man. Good against evil. Right against wrong, perhaps? Hmm. I think we might be on to something there. Next, why don't you take a listen to this spot that we found from uh, the Megyn Kelly show where she uh, completely took down Dr. Fauci. Number three. As a Johns Hopkins University meta-analysis of global studies found that lockdown and mask restrictions backed by that guy have had, quote, little to no effect on COVID-19 mortality. But he's not sorry. He's not sorry. No irreparable damage was done. And now, now he's looking forward to his next chapter. As of a year ago, he hoped that next chapter would include billions in funding so he could work on new vaccines. We should pray this guy never gets near another grant or health group again in his life. He has destroyed the trust in public health. His decisions have hurt countless numbers of people. He did it all while posing on magazine covers and celebrating himself and his outsized ego while our kids were muzzled and missed years of school as we all missed funerals and weddings and the chance to say goodbye to loved ones on their deathbeds. And we did indeed suffer irreparable harm, sir, whether you care to admit it or not. Good riddance, Dr. Fauci. You are not truth, and you will not be missed. Boom. Roasted. Boom. Roasted. <laughs> she nailed it. That was great. I especially like that she talked about 
families not being able to say goodbye to loved ones or go to funerals or go to weddings and the way it affected people like that because it absolutely did. You know, my wife uh, often says that her mother didn't die from COVID, but she did die because of COVID. And it's so true. And I love that Megyn Kelly brought that aspect into her little rant there because anybody who had illnesses, sicknesses like my mother-in-law did, they were either left to, to do appointments virtually where they weren't getting the same type of care that they should have been getting or when they did go to the hospital like she did then they were stuck and stranded on an island where people couldn't go and visit them people couldn't see them think about what that does for your spirits think about what that does for your uh will to live even it's incredible that we allowed them to do this and it's incredible that more people aren't outraged by this next all right, take a listen to uh, to this one. This this man approached uh, Chief Warren after she spoke to her tribe, and uh, what he said was amazing. Number two. Uh, I just want to ask one question. My daughter's getting out of school. I saved all my money. She doesn't have any student loans. Am I going to get my money back? So you're going to pay for people who didn't save any money, and those of us that did the right thing get screwed. No, it's not even like that. Of course we did. My buddy had fun, bought a car, went on vacations. I saved my money. He made more than I did. But I worked a double shift, worked extra. My daughter's work, she was 10. So you're laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we get screwed. I appreciate that. Amen to that guy. Absolutely. Ah, uh, you see that like it's insane. And she had nothing to say. He even called her out for, for smiling as he's talking. He's like, you're smiling about it. She's like, oh, no, no, I'm not. Because she doesn't know what to do. She's trying to just keep that politician composure because she's uh, just gave a speech and he approached her like next to her podium. And there's all people around. That's why there's a little little chatter in the background and stuff. There's cameras, there's everything. And he just put her in her place, man. She had nothing to say. She even she stuck out her hand to try to shake his hand at the end of it. He was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> uh, uh, chief of meat, real person, chief bee, tongue tied. <laughs> not happening, Chief Warren, not on our watch. You're a joke. Your ideas are a joke. You take advantage of good, hardworking American people, and you don't give a damn about us. Next. So this is another video that's been circling around uh, on Twitter, making making the rounds. And it's what appears to me, at least, it's at night. The video's at night. It looks like they're outside the uh, Supreme Court. And the man that's, um, that is talking in the clip, he's, you know, late 20s in his 30s, something like that. Uh, he's wearing a Make America Great Again hat, one of those classic red mega hats. And the uh, the person doing the uh, who put up the video basically put a, put a microphone in front of him and let him... Uh, let him say what he had to say. Number one, right of the week. I'd say the worst thing about the conversation between myself and the, uh, the left-wing supporter, I presume, so that's great, is that she, wouldn't, she purposely wouldn't exactly give me a chance to answer. She was trying to, let's say, spark an emotional response by what she was talking about was slavery because I feel I guess she feels like well since I'm black I have to relate to slavery and that's got to be a hot button issue N never mind the fact that we I've never been a slave don't know anyone and 
I'm not a slave, of course. She asked me the question, you know, on my hat, when was America great? I answered it like this. America has been great from the very start because this nation was founded on the principles of freeing us from tyranny. Okay, they were slaves and so forth. But there were a lot of people of all colors, let's say white, in this nation that did not feel like that was correct. And this nation from that time has been moving out of tyranny from bondage in one way or another, whether it be from Britain or whether it be from slavery as a whole. In case she doesn't know, there was a civil war. And in part, I say in part, a whole lot of white people, if you look at history, died because they wanted this nation and people like myself to be free. I believe that. Wait a minute, let me get myself together. Get together, you're fine. Because when you talk about this country, I do love the country. Because this nation gives you the right to move yourself up out of any poor, bad position that you're in like no other nation. While some nations might step on you and say, hey, you're going to stay like that, or they have the classism, we don't. What she's saying about this nation's horrible, basically saying, oh, it's just full of racism. I should be stupid enough to believe that when I'm sitting right here and see people who are nice of all colors, that do things, work together. And this fool wants to take us back to a time when everyone hates each other. That guy nailed it. I am so happy I saw that video. The Truth Box is the one who dug that one up. He is our internet guru. He's my YouTube guy. That's going back way before the podcast. Mr. Walk Down Me over there. Lead me to the building. <laughs> uh, but this guy, he he sums it up perfectly. I honestly, I, I really don't have much to add to it because he described our country exactly how it is. And it's a shame that so many people have been manipulated into thinking it's a racist, bad, horrible place. Um, I love that he referenced that no other place on this earth allows you to be able to take your life into your own hands as this country, this nation here in America does and allows you to do. And that's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. And you notice he had a, like, he said, take, give me a minute there. Like he, if you see the clip, he's like, like tearing up almost or getting, getting emotional that He's so passionate about it and he believes so strongly in it. And, and that's a great thing. That's, again, what this is all about. What a great couple of clips those were. I'm so glad we uh, were able to use those. And just a friendly reminder, give us a, uh, a a like and a subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us here on the Right and Wrong Show. We need your help. We need your support. So please uh, give us a subscribe. Tell a friend. Next. All right, all right, all right. So we've made a few references to it already, and uh, I'm sure everybody's heard about this by now. But President Knucklehead there, President Asleep at the Whale, President uh, ba- Weekend at Biden's over there, decided to make an announcement saying that he's going to, quote, forgive student loans for people. Forget the fact that student loan forgiveness just is an oxymoron. There's no such thing as forgiving a loan. You know, reaching his hand out over the over the crowd and just making it disappear. Nope, uh, that's not happening. Somebody's paying for it, right? We still can't get a straight answer. You'll uh, you'll find out about that coming up. But um, he's just passing that burden along to everybody else, the rest of us. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a non college grad. I never went, never never started, and 
why should I have to pay for Juice's education over there? Look at the big brains on Brett over there. My man went to college. Woohoo! He's got student loans to pay back. Why is that my responsibility? He benefited from it, right? He was able to use his his education to get himself a job, and that's why I'm talking to you in a closet, hoping somebody will give me a job doing this. <laughs> but why do the rest of us have to pay for people's college education? Students understood what they were signing up for. They knew what that meant when they signed on the dotted line. And if you try to tell us that they didn't, that at 18 years old, they weren't mature enough to realize the loan they took out, then you better look yourself in the mirror and ask where you stand on this transgender BS. Because the same people that are going to try and argue for this <laughs> student loan forgiveness stuff, is they're going to tell you that an 18-year-old is too immature to realize the debt and the burden they're taking on. But in the next breath, they're going to tell you that the five-year-old can tell you that uh, he's really a girl when he has a penis. Doesn't make any sense, right? That's the Democratic Party for you in a nutshell. <laughs> These people are lunatics. And they'll tell you whatever they need to say. They'll, they'll do whatever they need to do to get what they want. That's what it boils down to. They'll twist, they'll manipulate, they'll change the argument, they'll try and redefine words, the meaning of words, to suit whatever it is they want at that moment. Do you know that only 37% of Americans actually have a college degree? So I wish I had a college degree. I'd be able to do that math quick enough to tell you what percentage means does not have a degree. What's that, 60-something? 63? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I got myself laughing now. Um, why should the rest of us have to pay for other people's educations? There's nothing you could say that would make that make sense, work, and every argument you hear for it is just, excuses. It's not like a valid reason for why the debt should be pushed onto others. It's, oh, well, what about this? Oh, what about that? Oh, people in the older generation didn't have the type of stuff they have to pay that we do now. Blah, 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 blah. One of my old hockey coaches used to say, excuses are like assholes. Everybody's got one and they all stink. And that's what I feel like with these college grads, these uh, whiny 40-year-olds who want their their gender studies degree to be paid off for by the tax people, by the tax people, by the uh, taxpayer. I don't get it. It's insane. And you're helping uh, people that are upper middle class. That's what this would do. This is going to benefit a, a, a small minority of people in the upper middle class, not the poor, not the, not the middle class, not the rich. This is going to help a small select group of people. And it absolutely is Joe Biden and the Democrats trying to buy themselves uh, some votes in the midterm elections that are coming up. Well, I'm not sure you should assume I'm not corrupt, but I'm thank you for that. Though. Any coincidence that they decided to extend this uh, no payment phase, whatever it's called, uh, until December, till after the election? It never should have been paused in the first place because we never should have shut down because of the COVID nonsense. So they shut the country down, create this massive problem, close businesses, make people dependent on them, and then want to try to force the rest of us to all pay for it now, to all, all live with the consequences. Take this lady, for instance. She sums up everything that's wrong with the attitudes of the selfish, self-absorbed, college-educated snobs that are celebrating this foolishness. 
Nothing makes the middle of my back itch like an old person who doesn't want student loan forgiveness. You know what you signed up for. I was a responsible adult who paid my loans. I paid my bills. My bills are paid. Where's the forgiveness for me? <laughs> Grant. Gramps. Peepaw. Meemaw. Please. Let's talk for a second, babe. If you went to school and your college football team looked like this during your tenure, you do not have an opinion on this matter. If you were easily able to obtain a low-skill, high-paying job after dropping out, you do not have an opinion on this matter. If your student loans haven't kept you from, like, buying a house or a car or eating, you do not have an opinion on this matter. If you were able to pick up a 15 to 20-hour part-time job at the local Shack Shack in order to cover the tuition that the loans wouldn't, and then you graduated with minimal to no debt, you do not have an opinion on this matter. If the price of your room and board did not include a comma, you do not have an opinion on this matter. I got this graphic from the University of Delaware's website where Joe Biden graduated from in 1965. Is this inflation? <laughs> what do you want to tell Joe Biden right now? What's up, baby? Take my loans. Take them. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of playing. Yep. That uh, kind of sums up the attitude in a nutshell. Well, uh, I just want to let that lady know. Mm, if my tax dollars are being used to fund your education, mm, I do have an opinion of this matter, you moron. Like, how does that make any sense whatsoever? Absolutely ridiculous. The entitlement that comes from these people who think that they deserve this. Why does she deserve her loans to be forgiven? Why? Because it was expensive to go there? Because it was more expensive? Because it costs more to live nowadays? Who's to blame for that? Why don't you talk to the universities? Why don't you mm, ask the university to lower their cost? Why don't you make the universities pay for this out of their funds? Why don't we stop giving universities tax breaks on the property they, they own? Why don't we stop paying people like Chief Warren ridiculous amounts of money to teach one class at these ridiculous universities mm, what do you think of that you moron this whole thing it, it, it makes me think of uh you know when you're in school or, or like playing on a sports team or something and the entire group is penalized because of like one or two knuckleheads doing something wrong like remember uh in keeks's favorite movie miracle remember when like the, a few of the kids are like distracted not paying attention and they get smoked uh in an exhibition game or they or they only win by a couple or whatever. They're just not taking it serious. And the coach makes them stay out on the ice and do suicides left and right. Again! That's what it feels like Joe Biden's doing to the rest of us. It's like, okay, there's a couple of these idiots that couldn't get themselves a good enough job when they got out of out of school. Uh people who signed on the dotted line without realizing that their um music major wasn't gonna do something for them or their um, you know, African studies uh, major wasn't really the smartest career decision for them or whatever it may be. It's punishing the whole team for the decisions of a couple. And that's what Joe Biden's doing to the entire country right now. It's some of these morons out there crying about it. And instead of making them deal with their consequences, we're all being punished for it. Joe Biden's sitting there with the whistle in his mouth. Again, again. <laughs> again and we're just skating back and forth back and forth dealing with it busting our asses now having to pay for their nonsense it's not right
Suzuki, you gonna be the first one to quit on me? How about you, OC? You ready to go down? I think I got my money on you, Burkota. Of course, you got a hot date in about an hour, but you're not looking too good for that right about now, are you? Send them. Again. <laughs> I mean, a great scene in the movie. I just don't think we should be dealing with it. And that's the bottom line. Because the right and wrong said so. Oh, and the last point I'll make on this is hopefully this won't hold up in court because I'm sure it's going to be challenged. And exhibit A that they can bring to the table is Nancy Pelosi just a couple months ago describing how the president does not have the power to forgive student loans. Ugh. People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone, he can delay, but he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. And um, uh, I, I, I don't even like to call it forgiveness because that Im implies a transgression. It's not to be forgiven. Get, get just freeing people from those obligations. Uh, so it, 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 the question of who gets forgiven whether to use the term of art that is out there uh, is a is a debate do we use the, whatever money there is for the broadest base of support of the those with um, more people with even less debt or fewer people with more debt that's a policy discussion but the, the difference between the president do, president can't do it so that's not even a discussion that not everybody realizes that but the president can only postpone, delay, but not forgive. All right, all my friends and listeners out there, why don't we uh, move along and get to the wrongs of the week? I know these ones are usually uh, cringeworthy, yet funny in their own way. So why don't we just start things off right away here with number five. And we were just speaking about student loan forgiveness, so... Why don't we hear directly from the horse's mouth here from the uh, press secretary, Miss uh, KJP, and <laughs> see what she had to say when Zach Morris, Peter Ducey, asked her how they plan on paying for it. Juice? Number five. But when you forgive debt, you're not just disappearing debt. So but, who is paying for but, this? And then I'll give you the second part. We lifted the pause, right? We're going to lift the pause uh, at the end of this year, which is going to matter, right? Which is going to offset uh, a lot of what, what we're doing as well. Uh, when you think about the, the $4 billion that are going, that's going to go back uh, into, as, as revenue, back into uh, this process of folks uh, paying, paying, right, their college tuition, that matters as well. So we are doing this in a smart way. We're doing this in a way that's going to be effective. Uh, we're doing in this a way that keeps to the president's promise on giving people who need some breathing room, who needs some breathing room. I just, I just laid out, I just no. laid out for you. No, Peter, I just laid out for you how we're seeing this process and why this Welcome matters. Again, I just laid out, I just, I just laid out. Unbelievable, huh? These people. She can't even answer a straight a, a, a question straight. She's dancing around it because they know they can't pay for it. What was that uh, she tried to tell Adam? The the forgiveness uh, pause 
or, or whatever that the, the payment pause will be over in December. Uh, okay, so you you unpause it in December and expect people to stop paying again. Yet you're gonna tell what seventy percent of them they don't have to pay anything. How how are you gonna make up that difference? How, where, where's the money coming from? You know where it's coming from. It's coming from us. We've already we we just went over all this. It's just incredible how they can say that to your face and expect you to be dumb enough to uh to think that it's not going to affect regular everyday working Americans. Next. All right, take a listen to this uh practitioner professor that is in charge of uh the Yale Pediatric Gender Program. <laughs> uh I think you have an idea where this one's going. Number 4. I'm a clinical psychologist by training, and I am the director of the Yale Gender Program, which is an interdisciplinary program working with gender expansive individuals, 3 to 25, and their families. We um, help individuals who are questioning their gender identity or who identify as transgender or non-binary. We help them with their gender journey. Um, thinking through that, thinking through the risks and the benefits of uh, medical intervention, uh, starting medical intervention, um, and also building supports around them. And I love what I do, so it's really, really wonderful to to be working in this field and to be working with individuals who are gender diverse and gaining their support and helping them on their gender journeys. Ouch. Yeah, what'd she, she say? Three years old? Kids as young as three years old. And that's at that that's Yale. That's the prestige of the prestigious. <laughs> you know what I meant. But that's a very prestigious institution that after hearing that has zero credibility with me. I'm sorry, if you have somebody who's gonna say that with a straight face and now be affiliated with your school and you expect me to take the rest of your school serious? Why would anybody do that? It's insane. And you notice like that the thing we talked about the last couple of weeks too. They got the soft, nice music playing in the background as she's talking and trying to tell you that, you know, boys can be a girl if they tell you that at three years old. Yeah, we'll stop putting them on some drugs and some hormone suppressors. Yep, no problem. Here's where it is. It's all well and good. Rainbows and unicorns. Thank you very much. And you know what? Look at that wall behind me. Look at those degrees on the wall. So listen to me. I know what's best. Penis means boy? Huh. You just didn't go to college. Absolutely ridiculous, these people. How many more of these do we need to show or play or do? And I'm not going to stop. We'll do it every week if we need to. But there's too many people, and I'm sure even some of you out there listening, that don't believe that this stuff is uh, happening as often as it seems or, or whatever. I don't care if this is barely happening at all or if it's as mainstream as it has become. It needs to be stopped. And if that means you believe every single thing that the Democratic Party stands for except this, this is one of those issues that it's worth voting for a Republican over. If you're on the fence, just realize when you pull the ticket for a Democrat, you pull the lever, you punch that ticket, you do whatever you got to do, for a Democrat, you're supporting a party that is okay with this gender nonsense. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. You got to ask yourself if you can. Next. All right. This one's a clip of a uh, recent speech given by John Fetterman. He is a uh, Democratic Senate nominee from the uh, state of Pennsylvania. Now, he's 53 years old. 
but he dresses like he's a 23-year-old, and he has the body of a person who's 73 years old. Whoa. <laughs> this guy. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about him or not, but he is the guy who is, again, running for Senate that gives campaign speeches with a hoodie and uh, gym shorts on because he tries to pitch himself as a man of the people. He's always in a hoodie. And believe me, I got nothing against hoodies. I, I love rocking a hoodie. Me, me and Juice are, are two very big hoodie guys over here. But I also understand um, I wouldn't be wearing a hoodie to a job interview. This guy's a knucklehead. And I say body of a 73-year-old, little tongue-in-cheek, but he recently had a stroke. And that's all we know. Like, like his campaign's being super shady and not um, open about the circumstances, about what happened, why, like, like what the plan is going forward. He just disappeared from the campaign trail for like a month or so, a couple weeks, and that was the story. He had had a stroke and now he's back out there and he's talking. And I mean, listen to this, the, the way this guy talks, listen to the speech he's given. And I'm not trying to like make fun of somebody who had a stroke, but when you listen to the train of thought and listen to the, just what he's saying, it's like listening to uh, a Biden clip, like rambles around, no point to it. If it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to, anyway. People are actually considering voting for this guy. And again, if it's health issues, he should be taking himself out of the race then. It's no, not a joke, like no, 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 like joking matter about somebody having a stroke. But why are you now back out there on the campaign trail trying to act like you're going to be fine and, and be able to deliver for your state? Because if you sound like this, if you talk like this, I don't know how you could be confident that this guy's going to be able to do the job. Why don't we have a listen? Number three. I'm honored to be standing in the shadow of your, your amazing building. Do you think of the 10 homes Dr. Oz have, has a union hall across their home? No. If you say you think the word of steel worker, what words come to your mind if you say steel workers? Of all the words that bring to your mind when you hear the word steel workers, does the word crudite come to your mind? That's not a word that's going to come to my mind. Crudite is wrong with demanding for an easy, safe kind of their income. This is one simple and one simple truth. If you send me to Washington, D.C., and there's going to be choices in front of me as the next senator, and it's going to be, it's going to be what? Are you going to stand with the union way of life, or are you going to stand with trying to destroy the union way of life? And there is, near, there is no doubt in knowing I'm going to come down and stand with the union way of life. If I'm your next senator to Washington, D.C., guess what? You're still going to have a senator that's going to be living across the street from your steel plant. I'm going to be the kind of senator that's going to be living directly across the street with a union hall, 1219. Wow. Uh, if he says living directly across the street from the union hall, if he means like in a box somewhere on the street, yeah, that's how he's dressed. That's what he looks like he wants to do. But... The cameraman's dressed a little bit more professional than he is. Again, like, I'm sorry. I, I don't know how you can take that, that man serious. Um, he doesn't take himself serious. 
He doesn't. And and that's the perception he's given off and perception's reality how like majority of the time I'm sorry. So, I feel bad that the man had a stroke. I hope he can take care of his health issues, but he's definitely not qualified to uh to be a senator. I'm I'm sorry. I know that's not my state. I don't have a say in that vote. Uh I just hope the people of Pennsylvania can can realize that that is not the answer. I hope I didn't brain my damage. Next. All right, this is one that's out there uh about a woke teacher from across the pond who is completely wrong in this exchange that they had with their uh student and God bless the student for holding his ground and uh standing up for truth and reality and and what is right. So, Juice, why don't you give us this one? Number 2. Inclusive. Can I get my sentence, please? Not very inclusive. No, I'm sorry, but you were saying was not very inclusive, and this is an inclusive school. Yeah, what, how was what I was saying? Because I was saying that the one of the website is that there are more than one gender in well, this country. That's Bible. your opinion. That is my opinion, and that is an opinion which is acceptable in the school. I'm afraid yours, which you're saying that there's no such thing as anyone other than male or female, is not inclusive. there are just two genders, depending on what I get, I get gender but you, you, you are choosing to make an issue of this, because I said, are you really going to do it? That was your opportunity to, 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 to keep quiet. You made the issue with it on the website. You said, oh, this website doesn't have more than two Murray, you were clearly given an opportunity not to pursue it. You chose to do so. Yeah, because I think it's You silly. chose to do so. Yes, that's the key question. You chose to do so. I think it's silly to have anything other than two genders. So. That, okay. Anything could you please, else is Could you please opinion. keep that opinion to your own house? Thank you. Not in the so school. you get to put your opinion out in class and my no, opinion. No, I, I am not my putting opinion my, has to stay I am not my house. putting my opinion. I am not putting my opinion out. I am stating what is national school authority policy. Okay? Well it's not scientific whatsoever. Not every policy is scientific, Brian. It's, sorry, not every not every policy is scientific, Murray. And you can't come out here and say that I'm not being inclusive when someone says I something didn't you disagree say with. You, so you kick, I said what you were saying you, was not being inclusive. You kicked me out of class. If, if, if you want to have a discussion about it, we could have done it, had a discussion. You don't have to kick me out of class. I'm and sorry. waste 30 minutes I'm, of my time where I could have been down revising, doing something else. Instead, I state something I believe in. You kick me out of class for 30 minutes. Okay. I'm waiting on the Take court. this somewhere else, Murray. You can make an official complaint. I'm Please not going to make an official complaint. Why not? I just think it's... I know what you think, and I know what... The authority thinks. I know at the authority's point of view. Well, it's very clear, very clear that we make no discrimination on the grounds of various... I wasn't making discrimination. I'm simply saying there are two genders, male and female. Yeah. Anything I'm, else is a personal identification. I'm sorry, but you chose to make an issue of making a point which is contrary to policy. You right? made the issue when you complained about the website, sir. Yes. Wow. Is that not Orwellian or what? You hear that guy? You've made your point, and I'm telling you what the authority says. The authority says there's multiple genders. Nothing you can do about it, sir, because the policy of the authority is going to tell you that 2 plus 2 equals 5. I don't care if you know that 2 plus 2 equals 4, if you know that a boy's a boy and a girl's a girl, the authority says otherwise, and I'm here to enforce the authority. What a knucklehead. Next. All right. And number one here, let's uh, go back to our favorite uh, 
Republican joke who just got smoked in her re-election bid, Liz Cheney. Uh, well, not her specifically, but it's about her. And this news report, um, the the anchor is uh, starting to use a phrase that you hear quite a bit now from the establishment media. They love to try to be hyperbolic about everything when they're referring to any, you know, conservative Republican, any any Trump supporter out there. And they use it here um, when they're talking about what Cheney's going to do now that she's lost and going to be out of politics. And she's planning on trying to help people that are running against um, America first pro-Trump conservatives. And the phrase that they're going to use is election deniers. Take a listen and uh, and we'll see what they have to say. Number one, wrong of the week. Mark, what, what, what is your sense on the role that she has taken on? I, I think she has been, look, I would say that she's unleashed, but she was pretty unleashed before <laughs> the election. But I think she will be an extremely relevant figure in her party, I think, across the board. I, I think she seems like she is one committed not only to sort of take down Donald Trump, but to take down the sickness of her party. I mean, she seems to be going more broadly beyond January 6th at this point. She's talking about denial. She's talking about election denial, January 6th denial. Um, you know, the question is, will she go into like COVID denial or climate denial, things like that going forward. But ultimately, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why is everything a denial, like COVID denial, like election denial, uh, January 6th denial, uh, climate denial? Like, why? Like, if you don't buy the company establishment line, then it's just denial. I don't deny that COVID exists and that it it went around and it did, but I deny that the Fauci's of the world, that the leftist media establishment people knew what they were doing. And I deny that they gave scientific, well-thought-out, realistic guidelines about COVID. That makes me a COVID denier. I believe that an election took place. I don't deny that the election took place, but I believe that the COVID rhetoric, along with the mail-in ballots, along with um, the extended amount of time allowed to vote, made it extremely susceptible for fraud, nonsense, and things to be manipulated. I believe that shutting down the count in the middle of the night when President Trump was in the lead and reopening it the next day and all of a sudden he's losing is something to be alarmed about and concerned about. I don't think that's election denying, but they want to treat it with a broad stroke and try to sound like they uh, are making everybody on the, on the other side who has some questions who might disagree with their narrative. Uh, we're all crazy conspiracy, conspiracy theory, nonsense, um, tin, tin foil hat people. But we're not. We exist. And we have questions for a reason. And you notice how they got some newfound respect for Liz Cheney now that she has abandoned her party and sided with the Democratic Party. So now she's useful and now she's brave and heroic and and she's strong and courageous and, and going to stand up to people. What a joke. Let's see if he had anything else productive to say. I think she's going to raise a ton of money. I think she'll get a ton of media attention. And I think that she, her, her place in our politics is solidified for the time being and probably beyond, you know, next year. Her place? Yeah, her place is a lapdog dog for you guys. 
Her place is to come on uh, CNN, to come on morning shows, NBC, Good Morning America, go on and grab ass with Michael Strahan or uh, whatever it is. Is it still Regis and Kathy Lee? Are they still around? (laughs) I'm just kidding. But that's her role now. And they think it's going to give credibility that they can refer to her and call her a Republican, even though she's going to go out there and agree and do all the talking and hit all the talking points that the left wants her to hit. That's what she's going to do. That's her role going forward. And if you don't see that, then I guess we're not doing our job right here on the Right and Wrong Show. All right. That'll wrap up the wrongs of the week. Hopefully you guys enjoyed those. And if you did, please give us a thumbs up. Remember, give us a subscribe on whatever you're uh, listening to us on, whatever platform you're at. And uh, we would really appreciate that. All right. So everybody's heard by now. I know we played the clip from uh, Megyn Kelly earlier, too. But Jack DeFauci announced that he would be stepping down at the uh, end of the year. Big change from that. Uh, He'll be here until... Biden finishes up stuff that he was saying just uh, a couple months ago, but, you know, never hold the doctor to uh, to what he says in, in one moment, because we know he likes to uh, flip, flop, flip, flop, flip, flop. He's he's back and forth. So maybe he'll come in in a couple weeks and tell us, you know what? I've decided to stay. The science is with me. I am the truth. I am the science. And I am staying on. <laughs> well, we know that won't happen because... The Republicans are uh, gonna take control after these midterms, and uh, unless an act of God, unless this student loan forgiveness hail mary actually pays off for the uh, Biden administration, and they can hang on, they can get some votes, buy some votes with that, then uh, the doctor will be exiting. Because that's the only way I could see him staying on is if the uh, Dems do hold on to power, then he'll be like, oh, you know what, I I've decided to stay. Too many people told me, Dr. Fauci, if you go away, we don't know what we'll do. We don't know what will happen. We need you to stay, Dr. Fauci. You are the greatest doctor of all time. You literally represent science. (laughs) Actually, no. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you've uh, caught on by now that my Dr. Fauci impression is basically Michael Knowles's impression, an impression of Michael Knowles doing the Dr. Fauci impression. So I'm like two times removed from Fauci himself, I guess. But it's still fun to do. Um, so the reason I wanted to bring this up, though, and, and the most annoying part of it to me was that he didn't just say he'd be retiring and stepping away, right? He said he looks forward to going on to the next uh, phase in his career, or however he phrased it. I'm, I'm paraphrasing him, but that was the way he, he framed it. He's 81 years old. What next do you need? You've been on the government dime for 40, 50 years now. You need more work after this? What are you, nuts? You should have already been retired. What's the retirement age, 65 years old? What's he still doing even now? It's because he's power hungry. He doesn't want to walk away. And he wants to go get himself a gig where he can still feel great about himself. And the sad thing is, like, when you, when you talk about him, Pelosi, uh, Biden, all these people, these politicians who can't step away. Chief Warren, she's old. So is Ed Markey, the other, the other Massachusetts maniac up there. Remember Ted Kennedy? Died in office. Like, go away, people. 
Stop running. Stop. You don't need to work up until your deathbed. And I get some people, some real people actually do. They're stuck where they have to do that. These people, these are the elitists in the world. These are the the, the top percenters. They don't need to still be working, but their egos are so large that they can't walk away from it. And this is part of the problem of the downfall in religion in our world this day, these days. They don't have anything else in their life. They don't believe anything else. They're holding on to this power because they fear death. And they don't believe that the kingdom of heaven even exists. They fear the unknown. And it's because deep down they know they've compromised their own morality and virtue in exchange for the comforts of the flesh. They realize they made a deal with the devil and, and, and that debt is almost due. But the whole old people staying around like this and, and trying to work still instead of being at the retirement community, it makes me think of, uh, you know, that clip from old school after Blue dies. What what's Vince Vaughn have to say about it? That's what old people do. They die. Sorry. <laughs> yep. Thank you. And that's exactly what it is. And uh, it. I know it's a joke, but it's kind of true too. I mean, old people die. That is that. That's what they do. That's what happens. You get old and you die. They don't take on another career opportunity at eighty-one years old. Walk away, doctor. We're done with you. Bye bye. Adios. Vamos. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have gotten to that point in the show where uh, everyone anticipates. Everyone's always looking forward to it. Everyone uh, enjoys our come on, man, segment of the day. And what do we have to bring to the table for you today? How about uh, a little bit of commentary on the entertainment world, the entertainment industry, the content we consume, I guess, uh, out there these days? We'll go to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I've never gotten into it, thankfully. Uh, I've I've seen a couple of the movies, but do not follow them. They all seem like they're the same thing to me. A little bit too much of a joke. And uh, just like everything else in the world these days, they've gone woke. No, none, no better example of how woke they've gone than the new show out there right now, uh, She-Hulk. Yeah, um, a girl version of The Incredible Hulk, I guess. That's the whole premise behind this one, because why not? So um, we're going to play you a little clip from, from that, and uh, I guess just see what, see what you guys think of it. Okay, the waves breaking. Feel the breath, no judgment. Mm. So, so when do you think I can leave Let's just here? focus on each day as they come, Jim. I mean, I legitimately do have a life to get back to. I know I've been pushing you through a lot, but being a superhero is a trial by fire. Bruce, I'm not going to be a superhero. What else are you going to do as a Hulk? Uh, return to my career that I have spent years building. Use my law degree that I am still paying off a fortune in student loans for. <laughs> what? Let me stop you there. Uh, what could be more topical than that, huh? This, this woman, this character who has developed um, the ability to turn into a giant green Hulk figure that could smash things, destroy things, become, as, as the uh, original Hulk 
is trying to teach her to become a superhero. And she's like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go back and practice law with my law degree that I worked so hard to get and uh, go pay off those student loans that I'm saddled with. Ugh. Wow. Leave it to uh, someone in today's world to, to not appreciate the ability to become a superhero. Did Spider-Man complain when he got bit by that spider? Or did he go out and deliver pizzas and uh, go to school all while fighting, fighting crime? He didn't say, no, thank you. I need to go to work today. Law degree. Ugh. But now that her student loan's being covered, I wonder if that would entice her to become more Hulk-like. <laughs> Let's let it keep going. I am trying to show you that we can live between what we want and what is. But we can't pretend like we are two of the few people on Earth that can actually protect her. Which is why we have to make sure of your ability to tolerate distress and regulate your emotions, especially your anger. Well, here's the thing, Bruce. I'm great at controlling my anger. Mm. I do it all the time. When I'm catcalled in the street. Hold on, hold on. Cue the sappy music, just like all those gender doctor music started to play in the background. She's going to tell you now about how difficult her life is as a woman in the year 2022. When incompetent men explain my own area of expertise to me, I do it pretty much every day because if I don't, I will get called emotional or difficult or might just literally get murdered. So I'm an expert at controlling my anger because I do it infinitely more than you. So all of this just feels like projecting a lot of onto me. All right. I guess that'll do it with the clip. So uh, as she started going and going there, she started turning green and hulking up, turning into this this Hulk figure, you know, because nothing's more difficult than uh, getting catcalled and, uh, and getting mansplained to. I think those are the things she was referring to. Uh, I mean... Come on, what are we doing here? Do I want construction workers to be whistling at girls as they walk down the street? No. Whatever. But is it is it the worst thing in the world that can happen to someone? Nope. It's like, today, in the year 2022, females have it pretty, 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 pretty good. So do males. All of us. I mean, we're, we're living in, in one of the easiest times ever for human existence yet we want to make it difficult and hard and we, we we're dealing with stuff no one's ever dealt with before but it's just simply not true um the things we turn into issues these days are so small in the grand scheme of things that we don't realize just how ridiculous they sound then you throw them into like a show like this and you try to give it like a dramatic twist to it. And with the terrible acting that's going along with that, uh, kind of shows you just how whiny and, uh, and dumb and, and lazy it sounds like, like lazy as in the writing they, they chose. And that's what they think is going to relate to audiences right now. They're hoping that people watch that and they're like, Oh yeah, you go girl. Oh, you show him. You show him what's what. And the irony is, like, there's going <laughs> to be people that, like, like, there's 
ugly girls. There's there's you know unattractive girls out there that would kill to be catcalled, and then there's pretty girls that complain about being catcalled, but don't mind the advantages that come with being a pretty girl in society. Um, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. You know, the person who has curly hair wants to have straight hair. The person who has straight hair wants to have curly hair. You want to, this character wants to justify that she's, uh, deals with more situations that make her angry than her male counterpart because of those reasons that she lists. And it's, why is it a competition? I mean, I think nobody, I can't get into the heads of, of women in the world, but you also can't get into the head, into my head. I mean, me putting it out there for you, I guess, gives you a little bit of a window into it, but you really don't. And there's plenty of things that I deal with as a man. There's, there's things that Juice deals with. There's things that my wife deals with, his wife deals with. There's things that people that are different nationalities than me deal with. It's things that people in an older age group deal with. Like I, we talked about them. I don't know what really is going on in all their minds, but they're dealing with stuff too. There's things kids are dealing with this thing. Like why, why does she, that character think that she's so special that the couple things she lists off are all reasons that she has to control her emotions all day long more than anybody else would. It's just absolutely ridiculous, and it manipulates the viewer, uh, and, and hopefully more people are smart enough to, to just realize that that's what they think of you. That's what they think of the viewer that they're, they're showing that to. They think that's going to appeal to you, and that is so cliche, it's not even funny. So for that, and for many other reasons, uh, She-Hulk you have earned yourself one big, fat, classic. Come on, man. And that's our show for the day. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for joining us. Juice Box, Truth Box, thanks for being the best producer east of the Mississippi and south of the Mason-Dixon line. You dominated, as always. Great, great job. And uh, you listeners out there, thanks for being the best listening audience that uh, a show could have. You guys are awesome. Enjoy your weekend. And thanks for having me. The Right and Wrong Show is produced by Juice. Executive producer, Juice. Audio mixer is Juice. Hair by Skull Shavers. Wardrobe and makeup by Ashley Ruka. Right and Wrong Song created by Juice. The Right and Wrong Show is copyright 2022 from Brian Ruka.